Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Conservative Party is launched into its third leadership contest in just over six years. I pledge my support and unwavering loyalty to our next leader. And I urge everyone in our party to come together and do the same. A Liberal MP denounces the white supremacists in an Ottawa protest. Every February, I normally rise to encourage parliamentarians and Canadians to celebrate Black History Month. These are not normal times. This past weekend, a small minority thought it acceptable to bring swastikas and Confederate flags to Parliament Hill. And police in Ottawa say there are risks involved in trying to end the protest. There's a whole list of uh, steps that the Ottawa Police Service have attempted over the, uh, the last six days. Uh, from negotiation to strategic arrest and with, uh, with specific cases. But uh, the fact remains that uh, uh, this protest is turning into an occupation. It's Thursday, February 3rd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Christy Kirkup of The Globe and Mail. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Mark. So the Conservatives are looking for a new leader. Last night they chose Candace Bergen as their interim leader, but I think the big question is, where do they go from here as a party? Who is likely to be the new leader? And as many people are asking, is this kind of a battle for the soul of the party, a battle for the future direction of the Conservative Party of Canada? Yeah, I think that uh, this moment is bringing up a lot of existential questions for the Conservatives. It isn't every day that you see a political party decide, specifically a caucus, decide uh, to push a leader overboard. And then we saw the final result of the vote yesterday, 73 in favor, 45 were against, according to caucus sources who were part of that meeting. And that amounted to a decisive decision of 62% uh, rejecting um, Aaron O'Toole. And, uh, of course, he'll he'll be moving on. I think it's really unclear. Um, you know, we'll have to see who might be throwing their, their name into the hat in terms of the ultimate um, leadership race uh, to, su- uh, to succeed um, Mr. O'Toole. Um, some names that have come about recently, Pierre Polyev, last time around, he decided that well, he was in and then he was out. Um, some people are wondering if perhaps he does indeed have leadership aspirations. He's been quite vocal about things, including the convoy uh, to, to Ottawa against uh, the vaccination mandate and other issues. Uh, so perhaps some people wondering if, if he might uh, be interested this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we'll see Peter McKay uh, back. Uh, he has some uh, campaign debt that he's been trying to pay off. I think it's unlikely we'll we'll see him come back for for another go. Um, but uh, yes, uh, in terms of um, you know kind of the direction of the party, Aaron O'Toole before he was ousted, he kind of suggested there were a couple of paths for the party, one that included turning more to the right. He doesn't believe that is the path to success. And then he suggested that the other path was um, one of being more of an in- inclusive party um, in 2022, and that this would ultimately be the way that Conservatives would be re-elected again, because that's ultimately the goal, is for the Conservatives to get out of the realm of opposition and get back to where they preferred being, which, of course, was uh, when uh, Stephen Harper was Prime Minister and the Conservatives were in power for a decade. 
Yeah. So there, there's a lot there, obviously. And, and I think uh, regardless of how people felt about Aaron O'Toole, it's worth noting that uh, this means his family is going to have to move from their home in Ottawa, uh, the, the official residence of, of the leader of the opposition. Uh, he, he was quite gracious in a statement, a video that he released uh, saying that it was the honor of a lifetime to, to be the leader of the party. Um, it, it, it is interesting, I think, that it appears as though it, it was uh, a group of MPs, although it was a significant majority in the caucus, those who, who kind of spearheaded this move to remove him were perhaps the, the more conservative members of the party. But ultimately, it will be up to the membership to decide who the next leader is, right? Yeah, and I think that, you know, again, we'll we'll see um, how that all plays out in the context of uh, the forthcoming leadership race. What was interesting about Aaron O'Toole is that, you know, one of the major criticisms about him was that he essentially was a chameleon, that he ran a certain way during his own leadership bid, that he um, tried to shore up support amongst uh, more um, hard right uh, conservatives within the movement. And uh, then during the last election campaign, he appeared out on the hustings with uh, former progressive conservative um, uh, Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, uh, which I think upset some people within the conservative camp. Um, and even during the election, there were some rumblings about well, what's going on here. Who Who are you? You're saying this is not your father's conservative party, but what do you actually stand for on policy proposals? He was criticized, including um, the flip-flop on assault rifles, for example. And so, you know, again, I I don't think, again, it is necessarily something we see every day, as I mentioned, for a political party to be removed by their own caucus. But I, I think that people have been kind of frustrated for some time. They were frustrated by things that they saw again during the campaign, they were frustrated, of course, by the fact that the Conservatives were not successful the last go-around. They were really hoping um, to uh, be able to form government again, and they thought that um, you know, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was going into the last election quite weakened, including the fact that a lot of people were upset that an election was being called during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then um, Aaron O'Toole hasn't um, had an easy go as leader. He's, you know, again, had some challenges in terms of communicating his position on, on policy and, and what he really stood for as leader. Yeah. All right. This is actually a related story in some ways because there there are uh, conservative MPs who have been posing for photographs with some of the protesters in downtown Ottawa. And they've faced some criticism for that. Aaron O'Toole, this is one of the issues on which Aaron O'Toole has tried to walk a fine line uh, when he was conservative leader. Uh, so let's talk about the protests and and a uh, couple of interesting angles to this. First of all, Greg Fergus, the Liberal MP, who is a black Canadian, uh, he spoke in the House of Commons yesterday talking about how every year at this time he speaks about Black History Month and this time... Uh, this time around, he has has to talk about the fact that there are people in downtown Ottawa uh, holding up symbols of white supremacy uh, and and Nazi flags, and uh, and he delivered quite a, a moving speech in the House of Commons about that. Yeah, I think 
um, you know, th- these were really moving words uh, from uh, Greg Furcus, who, of course, is the chair of the Parliamentary Black Caucus. And he kind of talked about the need to, to not mince words at this time. He called the Confederate flag a symbol for slavery. Um, he also said that, you know, he essentially assumes that the reason that the flying of this flag was tolerated over the course of the weekend was out of respect for individual freedom of expression, but it left him wondering in his heart who else uh, supports this flag. And, you know, without real-time denunciations, he said, how am I to know? And this is what what scares him, he says. And I, I thought as well, he talked about, you know, the fact that some people, in some people's eyes, that he is not equal, nor is he free. And so this is why he celebrates Black history, of course, every February and throughout the year or so. I think some really important words uh, spoken uh, by um, Mr. Fergus in, in the House, and of course these comments have been shared widely since. Yeah. All right, and let's turn to what actually should and, and can be done about the protests themselves. There are, there are a lot of people in Ottawa who are frustrated uh, talking about how the demonstrators have taken over the downtown core, have... have uh, have immobilized the city. A lot of businesses have had to shut down, but the police in Ottawa are saying their, their options are limited, uh, that, that any attempt to, to remove the protesters is going to be, is going to have consequences and, and risks associated with it as well. Um, so what do you think the next steps are on, on this? You know, I think this is, um, really huge story, frankly, um, Mark, because I think that with all the dimensions that you mentioned and the tensions that you mentioned, because you have protesters that are digging in, we heard the police chief talk about the fact they have confirmation that there has been influence from outside of Canada, specifically the United States. There's funding um, and organization resources that are being um, deployed, essentially, to these protesters from the United States. And then he also mentioned that you know, there's essentially limitations on what police are going to be able to do here and even mentioned that the military has um, been mentioned as a possible option. He did reference the fact, though, Mark, that in the last 100 years that we haven't seen the military working um, with police other than during the FLQ um, and OCA crises, yeah. um, two major uh, crises in Canadian history. And again, there's so many political dimensions to this. This is not just a story, although it's that it's a huge story in and of itself that people in the nation's capital are talking about essentially being held hostage by um, you know protesters that have descended here for for a number of days. But there's also again the fact that you have provincial conservative politicians saying they need to pack up, the demonstrators need to pack up and go home, including the Premier that came out this week to say just that, and Lisa McLeod that represents uh, Ottawa area um, riding. And then you have, again, people like Pierre Polyev and Candace Bergen and other members of the Conservative Party saying, you know, there are some legitimate concerns here and that, um, you know, the protesters need, need to be heard. And they also believe that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has not done a good enough job in terms of hearing some of the concerns that are at the, the heart of this protest. And Trudeau, for his part, speaking to us from isolation earlier this week because he has COVID, um, he was saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to engage with people who are in, you know, using hateful rhetoric and um, racist symbols and that he's not willing to, to meet with them. So, 
you know, I guess the point is the political tensions are there. Um, frankly, I think they're on the rise. More protesters are expected to come through the weekend. And the police chief is essentially saying he doesn't necessarily think that, he, you know, he has the resources to deal with this. And even bringing in the military, while some people might think, you know, that's the next option. He, uh, the police chief also talked about, Mark, the fact it comes with so many challenges and risks, right, yeah. that any any route they take to deal with this situation comes with significant risks to, he says, injury, um, uh, deaths, and uh, potential riots. So, um, again, I, I think this is a major, major story, and um, one that is, again, political um, in its overtones, but, um, you know, ultimately it's, it's not like the Prime Minister, I think he made it very clear, it's not like he's going to cave um, in terms of his policy positions because people have descended upon the capital and are um, demonstrating in this way for a very long period of time. Yeah. All right. Great to have your insights on all of this today. Christy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Mark. That's Christy Kirkup of The Globe and Mail. I'd like to offer some parting thoughts on what I believe our party needs and what this country needs at this critical moment. I do this knowing that I've had my moment. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star asks what the Conservatives want. The Star writes, We know they don't want Aaron O'Toole as their leader. But what they do want is far from clear. Have Conservative MPs simply rejected a person? Or have they rejected the path that O'Toole tried to take them on? one that leads closer to the middle of the political spectrum. That's what the party's impending leadership contest will be about. And all Canadians who care about our democracy have a stake in the outcome, even if they don't lean conservative. In the National Post, Chris Selly argues, we are in for another hideously flawed conservative leadership race. Selly writes, Ditching Aaron O'Toole might not have been the best strategic move when it comes to winning the next election, of course. He campaigned well last time. It has been more than 110 years since a party leader won four elections in a row, and there's no sign Justin Trudeau doesn't intend to try. And the devil you know is almost always worth considering, especially when the process in place to elect a new devil is as hideously flawed as the Conservatives. At cbc.ca, Aaron Huery argues the contradictions at the Conservative Party's heart won't end with Aaron O'Toole's dismissal. Query writes, Erno O'Toole's turn as leader will be remembered for his attempts to take both roads. It was a bumpy ride. He blew a couple of tires and ended up stuck in the middle of nowhere. Now the Conservative Party's search for the right path will carry on without him. Can a moderate Conservative win the party's leadership? Can a hard-right Conservative win a general election? Much might depend on which path the Conservative Party chooses next. In the Globe and Mail, Lawrence Martin asks if anyone is surprised that the Conservative Party has blown itself up again. Martin writes, The Conservatives will now hold a leadership convention to crown their sixth leader since Justin Trudeau took over the Liberals in 2013. If it sounds mad, it's not. For this, the powder keg party, it is normalcy. The party will survive this latest upheaval as it has survived the many other occasions when it set itself on fire. On the leadership question, Pierre Poiliev is one to watch. He is a gifted politician, more capable than anyone in Ottawa, of marshalling arguments with precision and power. He is also underhanded 
and unscrupulous, a polarizer who will go as low as a crocodile if it suits his needs. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will make a virtual early learning and child care announcement, followed by a press conference. He will also take part in a roundtable with Winnipeg teachers and make a virtual visit to a small business in Regina, Saskatchewan. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will hold a news conference in Ottawa. Government House Leader Mark Holland will hold a news conference in Ottawa. Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra will take part in a virtual news conference to announce new funding to support the Regina International Airport. Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau will virtually join farmers from Quebec and Saskatchewan to discuss agricultural clean technology investments on farms. Rural Economic Development Minister Goody Hutchings will announce a federal investment to improve high-speed internet access in Northwest River and the Sheshachui Inu First Nation in Newfoundland and Labrador. And Immigration Minister Sean Fraser will welcome 25 candidates at a special virtual citizenship ceremony to mark Black History Month. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, February the 3rd. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.